Welcome to Podcasting for Coaches. I'm Brittany Felix, and I'm a podcast launch consultant who specializes in helping coaches and consultants utilize the power of podcasting as a way to build brand awareness and generate new leads for their business. I realize not every new coach or consultant can afford to hire someone to help launch their show, so I created this podcast as a way to guide you through the process of launching and utilizing your very own podcast to help you grow your business and reach a new audience of adoring followers and potential clients. If you're ready to get your voice and podcast out into the world, head over to podcastingforcoaches.com to learn more. Welcome to episode 51 of Podcasting for Coaches. So bear with me today because I have a feeling this episode might be a little longer than usual because I have a lot of things I want to cover and I received several questions for my AMA style episode this week to celebrate my birthday next week. So first off, speaking of celebrations, I announced on Instagram via my stories. So if you don't follow me, by the way, at Podcasting for Coaches, I highly recommend that you do that because I do throw things out there kind of as they happen, as opposed to there being a week or two delay sometimes with the podcast. But in my Instagram stories earlier this week, I announced that I had been thinking about doing something for my birthday. I actually hadn't planned on it, but this idea kind of popped into my head and I sat with it for a few days and I just felt called to do something for the people that follow me and support me and want to start a podcast. So I announced on Instagram that in celebration of my birthday next week, I am offering a gift to you of 33% off pretty much everything that I offer. So I have discounted my online course because it's an online course. It's whatever. It's not like my main focus. No big deal. But I have never in the history of my business offered any kind of a special promotional price or a gift or a discount. I don't like that word discount on my services because I feel that I'm more valuable than a discounted rate. So I don't really like that language, but I have just been feeling called to do this and I'm not typically a woo-woo person. We're going to see how this goes. We're going to experiment. I'm going to trust my gut on this. And so the gift I am giving you is 33% off to celebrate me turning 33 of my online course, my one-on-one launch consultation packages, or my podcast auditing services. So not to be confused with editing, but my podcast auditing services. So those are for people who are getting ready to launch or have already launched, and they just want an expert's eyes on all of their content and their RSS feed, their website, just to make sure that everything is set up the way that it should be, see if there's any tweaks that we could make with the content in the episodes or the audio quality, any of those things. Of course, I also offer my one-on-one launch consultation packages where I guide you through every single step of the process from start to finish, there with you, cheerleading you on, holding your hand, and holding you accountable, most importantly, to really committing to getting your show out there finally. And then, of course, if you can't necessarily afford to work with me one-on-one, I do have that online course. It's entirely self-paced. And it does include a Facebook group that goes along with it where you do have access to me to ask questions occasionally. So in order to get the gift of 33% off on the online course, just go to the show notes for this episode, podcastingforcoaches.com, click on the podcast tab in the main menu, then go to episode number 51. There'll be a link to the course in there and you can just use the gift code of PFC33. So PFC is in Podcasting for Coaches and 33. In order to get the gift on my podcast auditing services or my launch consultation packages, we have to have a call first because I'm very selective about who I work with. I want these to be amazing, incredible women who are doing 
powerful work in this world and who I'm really going to vibe with. And we're just going to have a lot of fun while we're also creating something spectacular for your business. And it's kind of hard to gauge all those things if I can't actually get on a phone call. So in order to get the gift of 33% off on my services by midnight Eastern Standard Time on April 9th, which is my birthday, you have to have a call scheduled with me. So a free consultation call, no sales pitch, low pressure, hopefully fun, where we're going to see if a podcast is right for your business at this time. And we can also talk about maybe some of the hangups that you have about starting your show. So maybe the things that have been getting in your way. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by the process and you're just not even sure where to start. Maybe you feel intimidated by the technology. You think that it's really expensive and you don't have the funds to get it started right now. You are afraid that you don't have enough content and you're going to run out of things to talk about. You think that the podcast field is already really saturated and there's not room for your voice and room for your audience to grow. You're not sure that you have the time to maintain a podcast. All of those things are things that we can talk about during our free consultation call. So again, just go to the show notes where you can find a link to schedule that call. And the call doesn't have to be conducted by the end of the day on April 9th because I just don't have room in my schedule to do that. But it just has to be on my schedule by April 9th. So if you schedule the call on April 8th, but we don't actually talk until April 15th, totally okay, you're still eligible for the gift. If it's determined that we are a good fit for each other, I will send you a proposal with a special gift rate that will be valid until the end of this month. So that's how you can get the gift on my one-on-one packages for either launching or podcast auditing. Okay, now that that is out of the way, I want to update you really quickly on the whole Squadcast situation. I mentioned in my last solo episode that I was having a phone call with one of the creators of Squadcast. He had heard my feedback on the show and he wanted to talk with me about it a little bit more. I am extremely happy to report that that call went very, very well. He and I talked for almost a full hour, and I can honestly say that I am not aware of a company that cares more about their customers and about making their product exactly what their customers want. He listened to my feedback and even my criticisms and my complaints about the service, and there was no defensiveness. He was entirely receptive and informed me that they are currently working on version two of Squadcast, which I am really happy to report is going to correct or address almost every single concern that I have. So my official ruling right now, now that I have done several interviews with Squadcast, not all of them have been released, but I've conducted several at this point, 10 or 15 or so. And I will say that I'm not necessarily comfortable recommending it as my main recording platform for interviews at this moment, but I have high, high hopes for version two. And I think that it could finally be the thing that I can really rely on and recommend as long as, you know, they work out some things. So once version two comes out, I'm going to play around with that and make sure that, you know, the changes really did happen and that it's working smoothly. And I can honestly see Squadcast finally filling that space in the podcasting world that so many other platforms have tried and failed to fill. So for the time being, what I've decided to do is still conduct my interviews on Squadcast, but I'm going to start using my own local audio, at least for my side of the conversation, because my local audio is better quality than Squadcast. So that's how that's being handled. I'm also happy to report that Zachariah and potentially his business partner are going to be guests on the show. So if you have any questions for them as the creators of Squadcast, reach out to me, email me, Brittany at Podcasting for Coaches, reach out to me on Instagram, any of those things. And I would be happy to talk with him during the interview about what questions you have. 
Okay, so told you this is going to be a long one. We haven't even got to the questions yet, which we're going to start right now. So to start with, I have Sad Felix, who full disclosure is actually my sister-in-law. She commented on my post asking for questions on Instagram and wanted to know what made me originally pick podcasting. The reason I decided to go with podcasting is because I was in my full-time corporate job. I had bounced around every year or two from job to job thinking that the reason I was miserable was just because of those particular people or that particular work or that particular environment and the next one would be better. And that was never the case. I was so miserable in corporate. And I've talked about that on the show before, but I was looking for a way out. I had tried several other things. They had all failed, some of them epically leading to huge financial disasters, rough times in my marriage. And then I heard my very first podcast. It is no longer available. It did pod fade fairly quickly. It was only around for a few months, but I instantly fell in love with the medium and I loved that I could consume it while I was doing other things. And so I just knew that I wanted to podcast. And that's because, to be perfectly honest, I'm lazy. <laughs> like when it doesn't come to my business, I stay in my pajamas all day because I work from home. I rarely wear makeup. And even when I do, I do minimal work there. I don't really like to mess with my hair. Like I want to put the least amount of effort into being camera ready. So I knew like doing a YouTube channel was totally off the radar, not even an option. I don't like sitting down and writing. So blogging wasn't really an option for me either. Enter podcasting, the perfect medium. I can sit, I can talk. Obviously, I like to do it. And I felt like I could get a good handle on producing it all myself. I am decent with technology, so I thought I could, you know, figure it out on my own. And I did. I mean, I had a little bit of help with the course, but for the most part, it's me sitting here working through everything, you know, in the very beginning. And so that's why I chose podcasting, because it was the least amount of effort involved for me, and it was something that I thought I would enjoy. Okay, so Meg Strat, also on Instagram, said, best way to get started monetizing your podcast. There are so many ways, and this is one of the main questions, if not the main question besides how do I grow my audience or get more downloads that people ask in you know podcasting communities. The answer varies, and my answer here for this show and for my audience may not apply to everyone. So there are people who are hobbyist podcasters who don't have a website, they don't have a business, and maybe they need to know how to get money coming in from it. And there are a couple of different options there. So Patreon, opening up like an apparel store so they can get apparel for the show. I mean, there are several different things there. I don't recommend those for you guys listening to this as a coach or consultant. You should have your own business. By the time you have a podcast for it, your business should exist. You should have products. You should have services to sell. So that's what I want you to do. That's why I don't recommend taking on sponsorships unless they are exactly what your audience needs. In that situation, yes, you can take on a sponsor, but unless your business is based entirely off of you know, referral commission, so maybe you're just an affiliate and that's all your business is, in which case you would market other people's services, I want you marketing your own. I want you talking about your own services, your own business. Please don't be a coach or consultant who has a podcast and never, ever, ever talks about what they do. I have had clients in the past where... I work on their shows and I said, you know, this is great and all this content's really interesting, but if I was coming to this and I didn't know who you were, I would have no idea what services you offer. I would have no idea that I could even hire you to help me. 
So the best way to get started monetizing your podcast for a coach or consultant is to literally just start talking about it. Put the information out there. Give them an easy way to access your products, access your services, access you. Okay, so on to the next one. Organized Sound Productions on Instagram actually gave me two questions. So she wrote, business-wise, how are you getting clients? Are they now mostly referrals since you are so established? But that's kind of boring, so I'll add, what ghost hunting experiences have made a serious impact on your life? I thought that was so funny that she added that in there. Okay, so business-wise, how I'm getting clients is, yes, mostly referrals. The vast majority of my clients come from referrals. Beyond that... When I was regularly taking on editing clients, which by the way, I do have openings for two new ongoing editing clients. So if you want to see if maybe you can fill one of those spots, go ahead and reach out. But when I was regularly seeking out new editing clients, I was getting a lot of those actually from Facebook groups. So just being extremely active in some of these larger communities and providing value on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day, it was part of my business. It wasn't just random social media time where I was wasting time, I was on there focused, going into each group, specifically looking for questions where I could provide a lot of value and answering those. Because of that, my name ended up becoming familiar to a lot of people. So when somebody posted they were looking for an editor, even people I had never interacted with would remember that I was an editor and remember me because they had seen me answer all these questions. They had seen me provide value and provide really knowledgeable answers. So then they would start tagging me and say, oh, well, Brittany does this. And then I would also search for those posts. So you can do a search inside of a Facebook group. You can even set up notifications. So like if people post something with a particular word in it, it will let you know. At least it did when I was doing this a couple of years ago. So I would seek out those posts where people were asking for editors. And then I would throw my name in the ring. Now there are a lot, lot more than there were when I did it. But even now, even with all of the people, like you will have somebody ask for an editor. And back when I was doing it, maybe like five of us would comment. Now you might get like 15, 20 comments, 13, somewhere in that range. You get a lot. But what you'll find is a lot of these people, even still, just say something like, oh, I can help with that. Send me a message and we can talk. And that's terrible. Please don't do that if you are wanting to get any kind of a business. Don't put more work on them. They're seeking an editor to get rid of work, to free up their time. So don't make them chase you for information. So one, have a website. And two, make sure that website has the information that they want. Right now, my website contains nothing about ongoing audio editing because it's not a service that I generally offer out to the public. But if that's your business and if that's the people you're trying to get, and this applies to any business, any business where you're trying to get clients, Give the information that your clients are looking for. Don't make them hunt and dig. Answer all of their questions. Have an FAQ section. Have an easy, 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 easy way for them to get in touch with you. So what I would do is I would give them my website in the comment. And I would also say there is a link right there on this page where you can schedule a free call with me. Let's hop on a call and see if it's a good fit. And you can ask me some general questions. That right there opens the invitation. Or I would even say, if you give me your email address, I would be happy to email you there and start the conversation off of Facebook. Because then you're not getting lost in the comments. You're not getting buried in their notifications, those kinds of things. You're initiating that contact a step further so they know that you're serious and they can see that you're professional if your whole system and your website and your email is all set up to be professional looking. 
Okay. Next question is what ghost hunting experiences have made a serious impact on my life? For me, that's kind of an interesting question. For those that don't know, I've talked about this on social media and I think I've maybe mentioned it on the show. I am a paranormal investigator, aka ghost hunter. So I am actually on a team here in Colorado where we conduct public investigations. So we invite the public to join us. And then we also have private investigations where we go in and do investigative stuff to see if the place is haunted. So just like you see in these TV shows, although way less dramatic and way more boring, that's what I do. It is a huge passion of mine. This is my second team I've been on in two different states, and I would do it every single weekend if I could. Honestly, besides podcasting and traveling, if I could do ghost hunting full-time in a heartbeat, I love it. As far as individual experiences that have had a serious impact on my life, I don't necessarily know that there's one specific one because there have been so many. I am what I like to call a skeptical believer, which means I do believe that ghosts exist. I believe there are other things happening in this world that we don't know about, we don't understand, we cannot prove. But I also believe that 80 to 90% of what people report to be paranormal activity has a real scientific logical explanation. So when I talk about my experiences and how I've had so many throughout my lifetime, please know that it's coming from a lens of me only claiming that it's paranormal when I have exhausted all other resources and explanations to, you know, debunk what has happened. I think the thing that started it all for me and therefore would have the most serious impact on my life is something that I actually don't remember at all. My paternal grandmother, so my dad's mother, had lupus when my mother was pregnant with me. It was kind of a well-known thing in my family that she was just waiting for me to be born. She was very sick, but she knew that a new grandchild was on the way and she really wanted to meet me. So I was born and within about four months, she did pass away. So obviously I don't remember her at all. But according to my mother, And her mother, so my grandmother on my mom's side, I apparently used to talk with my deceased grandmother. I don't remember this at all. It was when I was obviously old enough to talk, but young enough that I have no memories of this. But they tell me, and by the way, both of them are so not like into the paranormal or ghosts or anything like that. So for them to tell me this leads a little bit more credibility to the story, at least for me. But according to them, I would say phrases that she used to say. I would tell stories that she used to tell, talk about people from her life. And every time they would ask me like where I had heard those things because they knew about it from spending time with her, I would always just say, Grandma Judd told me like it was no big deal. And obviously at this point, she'd been dead for several years. So it was just kind of a weird experience for them because they knew that there was no other way for me to know this information or to know exact phrases that she used to say. You know, we all have those quirky little things we say all the time. And I used to repeat them verbatim. And I used to talk about people in her life. And I used to tell some of her own same stories, apparently, (laughs) by the way. Even now, I still feel skeptical of saying that I did these things because I don't remember them. But I trust my mother. I trust my, my girl, Eubanks, who is the one that told me. And I just kind of have to take their word for it. So Maybe that's what started it all for me. I did see my grandfather after he passed when I was like seven or eight, I believe. I do remember that experience very vividly. 
and I have physical proof to prove that it was not a dream. He passed away. I was pretty much the first grandchild that did not get to really spend time with him. The entire time I was ever around him, he was on a breathing machine and bedridden and didn't talk. So I didn't get to go fishing with him and have conversations with him like my cousins did and my older brother did. So when he passed, the night actually of his funeral, I was laying in my bed and our bathroom for the house was situated right directly across from my room. So my mom would always leave both doors open and leave the bathroom light on as like a nightlight for me. So again, I was about seven or eight. I had just cleaned my room earlier that day. And I remember I was really, really upset because my favorite book, which was like a Little Mermaid book, I accidentally put it at the bottom of my toy box. And I was an unbelievably spoiled child as a kid. So my toy box was like piled way, way high with toys. So there was no way I was like dumping everything out to get this one book. And I used to like to read it every night before I went to bed. And I remember laying in bed and all of a sudden I see this figure in my doorway, just like this white silhouette basically in my doorway. And it came toward me right next to my bed. And I I still remember this. It was not a dream. It's still, again, because I'm so skeptical, it's really weird for me to talk about this, but this is just what happened. So believe it or not, totally cool. This is just my experience. But anyways, he came right next to my bed and I didn't necessarily recognize him as my grandfather. I just knew it was him. I don't really know any other way to explain it. And he also didn't speak to me but we still communicated. It was almost kind of like a telepathic sort of thing, which sounds ridiculous, but I just knew what he was saying to me. It was almost more like I felt what he was saying. And that was basically just that he loved me and, you know, to not be sad and that everything was going to be okay. Then, and this is the most ridiculous part, and I cringe even saying this, I look over at my toy box and my little mermaid book is sticking out from the side of it. And I swear, this is so, this is so ridiculous. He got the book and read in quotation marks because he didn't actually speak me to sleep. And I swear, like, I know all of you are probably like, okay, this chick is ridiculous. I'm turning this off right now. I can never trust anything she says ever again. But the very next morning when my mom came into my bedroom, the book was laying on the floor next to my bed and all of my other toys were still in my toy box. So that is what it is. (laughs) Um, That's one of the weird experiences I had as as a child. I cannot explain it. That's what happened. Now, as a paranormal investigator, I can say things like that do not typically happen. Most of my paranormal investigations are really boring. It's just a lot of sitting around in the dark where it's pitch black and silent waiting for things to happen. So it's not nearly as exciting as you see on TV, but I do still love it. I have had other experiences throughout my lifetime, you know, being touched when there's nobody there. There was one instance where I was home alone. My husband was staying with a friend because they were going hunting in the morning and it was like a few hours away. So he was just staying over at his place. We had a motion sensor light in the area outside of our bedroom and it came on on its own in the middle of the night. I mean, I was still awake, but obviously not wandering around. And my dog went straight to the door and was like sniffing frantically under the doorway. Like she thought there was someone out there. And then I heard footsteps. I heard someone walking. When I'm home alone, I always lock my bedroom door. So like I didn't freak out about that. But I heard someone walking around and the motion sensor light kept going off. And my dog was sniffing like there was somebody there. So I actually thought somebody broke into the house. Like so much so was convinced that I got my dogs. We went into our bathroom where there was another door I could lock. Um, and into the closet, and I called the police, and they came and searched the house, and there was no one there and no sign of a break-in. 
So I unplugged the motion sensor light and just went to sleep because at that point, obviously, it was not a real person. It's the real people that scare me, not the ghost. So it was fine after that. All right. On to the next one. Mill Spouse Matters, who is amazing, by the way. You guys, seriously, I love her. Follow her on Instagram. She's a total sweetheart. She has a show all about, you know, being a military spouse. So if that is your situation, definitely check it out. But she says, how do you deal with potential guests slash cold emails slash calls who are obviously just looking to promote themselves, have no idea what your podcast is about, have no value to add to your audience, etc.? I get so much of that now. Just ignore it, question mark. I feel rude, but then again, they didn't take the time to really research me or what I'm doing. This is so common, you guys. If you have not launched, you will realize this very quickly if you have an interview show. If you do have an interview show and you're already launched, I'm sure this happens to you all the time. You can choose to just ignore it. If you are super busy and they did not take the time, you can choose to just ignore it. Unfortunately, what I find is some people will then follow up with you multiple times and nag you. So sometimes it's better to just deny them from the beginning. If they do not have anything of value for your audience, do not have them on the show. I don't care necessarily who they are. Even if they're somebody that you really respect and admire, make all of your guest decisions with your audience in mind. So again, you can just choose to ignore it. Totally a valid option. And I have done this in the past. However, I have a VA who actually assists me in getting guests for the show. And so what I did was I wrote up a little denial template for her. So now whenever anybody pitches us and they're clearly not a good fit because I, generally speaking, only have other podcasters on the show and you would not believe how many people pitch me and do not have a podcast and do not offer podcast services. Hello, like take two seconds to even read the name of the show. Anyways. She now has this email that she can just copy and paste, or if your email allows for canned responses, you can do that. And I'm going to read you the email right here, actually. So it just says, hello, blank. She fills in their name. Thank you for your interest in being a guest on Podcasting for Coaches. In order to maintain the high level of trust that Brittany has built with her audience, we must be very selective with the guests we bring on the show. While we think you would be a great podcast guest in general, we don't feel you're the perfect guest for her particular audience. We appreciate you reaching out and wish you all the best. So there you go. Basically, they're not a good fit. It's polite, hopefully professional. Send them on their way. One thing that I want to stress here, as women, we have a tendency to feel like we need to justify or explain our decisions. And I really want that to stop. I'm getting on a little bit of a high horse here, maybe going on a little bit of a feminist rant. I do this myself and I have been actively working on that, but I feel like I need to apologize all the time. You know, maybe before I would have said, I'm so sorry, but you're not quite a fit. But you know what? I'm not sorry. You took the time to pitch the wrong show. That's just what it is. You wasted your time and now you've wasted mine. So I'm not going to be a total dick about it, but I don't need to offer them any kind of an explanation. There's this one response that literally just says, you're not the perfect guest. That's it. I don't need to provide them with any other explanation beyond that and neither do you. So don't agonize over being nice and, you know, feeling like you need to tailor all of these emails and reply to them all individually because you don't. They didn't respect your time, so you need to respect your time. So again, you can choose to ignore or just draft up one email once, be done, send it every time or have a VA send it for you. Okay, so I have two other questions here. And again, I apologize. I knew this was going to go super long, but I didn't want to break this out into two separate episodes because I want to get back to really delivering you actionable things that you can do for your podcast. The second to last question is, why did I change my podcast music? This one came via email. 
So if you haven't noticed or realized, about two or three episodes ago at this point, I switched out the music for my podcast. And the reason for that is because I just didn't like my original music, period. I had it already from a previous show. And when I wanted to launch this, I wanted to get it out there as quickly as possible. So I just used what I had rather than taking time and spending money on new music. It's been kind of nagging at me this whole time. I don't like to even listen to my own show because I really was not a fan of that music. It just didn't really match my personality. I don't think it matched the show. It just didn't sound that great. You know, as far as like being pleasant to listen to for me, it's not music I would listen to. So when it came time for me to re-record my outro so that I could update it because it was still talking about my Facebook group, which technically exists, but I do nothing with and I just redirect everyone to Instagram and I wanted to talk about my course and those kinds of things, I figured that was the perfect time to finally change out my music. So when I re-recorded my outro, I just went ahead and used new music and that's why. Okay, so the last question came from a Facebook DM from Sarah and she wants to know what my travel plans are for 2019. I love talking about travel. I make no secret of it. That's one of my favorite things about this business is that I can travel. So I... Real Talk was supposed to be going to Vegas next week for my birthday, but it's April and it's tax season and I have my own business, so I have to shell out quite a bit of money in taxes. So the Vegas trip is now off, unfortunately. That's just the realities of being an entrepreneur. But I am super excited about my travel for the rest of the year because in August, I am going to Podcast Movement, which is the biggest and most popular and main podcasting conference. It's in Orlando, Florida this year, which most people are complaining about because it's Orlando in August, but one of my best friends lives there, and I try to go to Orlando at least once a year to visit her, and another friend comes and joins us. So I love that it's in Orlando because it's perfect for me. So I'm going to go there for podcast movement, and then once that's over, I'm going to spend about a week or so just hanging out in Orlando with two of my all-time best friends. We are going to have fun on the beach and just hang out because we nonstop laugh the entire time we're together. And of course, we will be going to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter because I can not go to Orlando and not go there because I am totally obsessed with Harry Potter. After that, about a month later, yeah, about a month later, I will be heading off to Europe, which I am so unbelievably excited about. I wasn't able to go out of the country at all in 2018, and I haven't been to Europe since we went to Paris for our honeymoon in 2011. So I am so unbelievably stoked to go to Europe this fall. It's starting off with a week-long cruise in the Mediterranean with some of my other best friends from high school. I'm going to be spending time in Rome. We're going to depart from there, and we're going to have a few stops in Italy along the way, one in France, two in Spain. So we're going to go to some really cool places on this cruise. And then after the cruise is over, myself and two of the girls from the cruise, we're going to go and spend a week in Crete, which is in Greece, for those that don't know. So then I'll have a week there. And then after that, I am kind of open and flexible, but I'm going to be spending about another month in Europe on my own. So once Crete is over, my rough plans are to go back to a couple places in Italy. I really want to go to Pompeii. So that's one of the items on the list. And then I may potentially be going to Germany for Oktoberfest because oddly enough, my sister-in-law and her recent husband are thinking about taking their honeymoon there. So if they're going to be there around the same time I am, I figured, cool, why not go check it out? I've never been to Germany. But if they don't go, I probably won't go to Germany. I am, however, absolutely definitely going back to Paris because I freaking love it. Paris has a very large chunk of my heart. I would move there tomorrow if I could. 
And then I'm definitely, definitely, definitely going to Scotland because I am totally obsessed with Outlander and it's Scotland, so it's going to be gorgeous and amazing anyways. But I'm going to go and check out a lot of the Outlander like filming sites or points of interest. And then I'm also, while I'm there, going to ride on the Jacobite, which is the actual train that was used in all the Harry Potter movies. So super excited about that. And then I'm going to wrap up the trip in London where I'm going to spend a few days And I'm not really so concerned about like spending time in London. I'm honestly mostly just going to visit the Harry Potter studios (laughs) because again, I'm obsessed. And then I will come home from there. So all told, I will probably be in Europe for about five to six weeks because my husband's birthday is at the beginning of November and he probably will not like it if I am off having fun in another country during his birthday. Okay, so That kind of wraps up everything with the questions. I have one more thing that I want to talk about before we wrap up today. In addition to podcast movement, there is another conference that was just started. You guys have heard me talk about on this podcast so many times, the group She Podcasts on Facebook. The group is a spinoff of a podcast by the same name. It is an incredible community. It's my favorite general podcasting community to hang out in. The women in there are amazing doing amazing things. The women that run She Podcast, Jessica and Elsie, are amazing and they are powerhouses and they are champions for change in podcasting. And they have decided this year to finally put on a live in-person event. So a She Podcast conference, basically. The only thing is they need $25,000. They have a Kickstarter campaign going to put on this conference for everyone. It's in Atlanta, Georgia, happening October 11th through the 13th. So unfortunately, I will not be able to attend because I will be in Europe. But right now, they only have about 16 and a half of that. And they only have 14 days left at the time that I'm recording this, which is two days before this interview goes live. So I think it ends on, yeah, April 17th is the final day. So they need more funding. If you want to go to a podcasting event, podcast movement is amazing, but it's expensive. She podcast sounds like it's going to be just as amazing. They've been doing video walkthroughs of the hotels that they've been looking at. It's going to be an amazing event, you guys. Seriously, I know I've said amazing like 20 times, but it really will be. I, even though I'm not attending, have supported this event. I have backed it. I have purchased an online ticket. So I will have access to recordings from the conference afterwards. So even if you do not want to go in person, please just support this women's event. And by the way, they are inclusive. Men are technically going to be allowed, but it is a women's community. They're not going to turn people away. And if you are someone who maybe physically isn't female, but you identify as female, they're totally open to that, vice versa. Like it's inclusive, definitely. So I just want to read you a couple of other things. So they are going to have different tracks, which are basically just like sessions on how to fit podcasting into your already busy life, wrangling guests and managing your calendar, conquering the fear of being seen how to get the best audio from your guest, storytelling and interviewing skills, managing your marketing or starting to market, social media for audience growth, conquering fear of sales, preparing to make your podcast a business, outsourcing, turning your podcast into a book, leveraging your podcast into a speaking career. Like you guys, there are totally some amazing things we're going to be talking about. And here's this little tiny thing that they wrap up this Kickstarter information with. And it says, we dream of an event that is community-led an event that caters specifically to what women want to learn, an event that is part retreat and part conference and part slumber party, an event designed to make us feel beautiful and brilliant and included and loved. 
I mean, come on, you guys, that sounds amazing. I'm so jealous I cannot go. But again, I have purchased a virtual ticket and I hope that you either attend or purchase a virtual ticket or choose to support this in some way because we need this and we women need to stick together and support each other. So that's going to wrap it up. You can find links for all of this stuff that I mentioned in this episode, podcastingforcoaches.com. Click on the podcast tab in the main menu, episode number 51. Thank you again. Thank you for sticking with me here to the end if you're still here. And next week, I'm going to bring you another amazing interview. Have a fantastic week. And that wraps up another episode of Podcasting for Coaches. If you'd like to connect with me further, you can do so on Instagram at Podcasting for Coaches. If you know it's time to finally get serious about starting your podcast, go to podcastingforcoaches.com and click on the work with me tab in the main menu to learn more about my one-on-one launch consultation packages or my self-paced online course. And I look forward to seeing the podcast that you create and put out into the world.